0: This is episode 87 of the Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. I hope you're having a great, prosperous day, and thanks for sharing it with me. As uncomfortable as it is to make big changes in life, no matter what those changes are, fear kicks into overdrive when you're changing great careers and great jobs. Michelle Bushneff joins me today to share her purpose-filled pioneering journey from software companies to Athleta, to her own consultancy, and now back to more full-time positions. We explore the difference between passion and purpose, second acts, and the changing realities of being a woman in today's business world. Ready? Let's do this.
1: Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative Giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie
0: Gilkey. Hello, hello, Creative Giants. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Michelle Bushneff. Michelle is an ordinary woman with a lot of passion, a drive to challenge norms in a positive way, an entrepreneurial spirit, and a creative spark that fuels everything. Since the start of her professional career in the early 80s, she has gravitated to progressive startups and small companies in emerging tech, product, and media markets. She built and managed creative and product teams that produced groundbreaking educational software, like Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego and Logical Journey of the Zumbinis, technology toys, LeapPad by LeapFrog, and pre-smartphone mobile apps. In the early 2000s, Michelle got hooked on personal publishing and the new frontier of authentic content marketing, which ultimately led her to Athleta, a woman's athletic apparel brand acquired by Gap Incorporated in 2008. Above and beyond her day job as e-commerce producer and digital marketing manager, she was empowered to pioneer social, content, and influencer marketing programs for the brand, including a blog powered by influential women athletes who ranged in age from 14 to 94. Where other companies were building blogs to talk about themselves, Athleta's approach was distinctive, powered by the voice of the customer, and conceived with a simple mission, to serve and inspire fitness-minded women with meaningful content. Michelle's passion for pursuing a purposeful livelihood has never wavered. In 2014, she did the thing career experts tell you not to do, especially when you're over 50. She quit her coveted job at Athleta. She didn't have another job. Scary, yes, but none of that deterred her. She set out to explore the wild blue yonder with sights on serving social businesses and brands that are disrupting for good with heart-driven, meaningful products, services, or media. Michelle, thanks so much for joining me today on the episode. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you because, um, you know, as I was reading over your varied history and just what you have built, it's amazing. And there are a lot of different places to go. So thanks for... Um, Really coming and sharing your story with us.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having um, me—a more or less stranger to you on your show.
0: (laughs) All righty, we're we're just friends who haven't met yet. That's the way I see it.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Um, So when we look at your resume, it—you know—it's kind of one of those head scratcher things, and I understand that with my with my background. It's like what military and philosophy and business and what right um and people try to find a pattern but i imagine to you that it's completely logical right um what are the threads that have really bound all of the different projects that you've done
1: um yeah yeah to me it, it is logical um but certainly not uh predictable uh i think there's two common threads that really um have not wavered since college. One is uh, really wanting to do work that um, taps my passions and talents, but also where I feel like I'm I'm serving a purpose. Um, you know, not necessarily uh, fixing all the problems in the world, but contributing something meaningful to to the world. Um, so that's that's that was that was one big common thread. The other one is just I have uh, I really gravitate towards um, things kind of uh, emerging on the on the future side of things. So um, technology naturally is part of that. And uh, at the time that I was in college, um, technologies were really emerging. And mm-hmm. so, in terms of like personal technologies. Uh, personal computers, all of that stuff. And so I really sort of set out um, on that path and haven't moved from it. Um, although I have moved to some sort of non-tech industries, but generally industries that were on kind of um, the frontier of something emerging. Uh, most, most recently, it's really around kind of the new, what I think of as the new frontier of marketing. Because um, I, I certainly don't have a traditional marketing background, but I'm now working as a digital marketer.
0: Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I, as I was reading back, a lot of your work has featured has has pulled together media and actually um, women, Actually women or girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. In the mid two thousands, you had um, a blog and you blog for girls. You ran competitions that that gave girls and young women voices, right? And so there's there's that thread that I thought was mm-hmm. really interesting and in some ways a bit. Um, muted in, in your resume, actually. I was like, I wonder why she didn't play up that more, that this this long history of um, using media, you know, emerging media and technologies to give women a voice, but also to serve women better.
1: Yeah, that that's a really good point and a good insight. It certainly is true. Um, I'm not sure why I don't play it up more, but uh, but yes, everything, you know, from the products that I I was part of creating early in the career, which ultimately the primary audience, but for that, or in terms of purchasers, was women, moms, mm-hmm. um, even though the products targeted kids. And um, yeah, and that's where I kind of started on the path of I really want to create the stuff to empower young girls and then, you know, moving into... Uh, an area that was more about women. Um, So, yeah, that has definitely been a common thread, and that's also a really uh, important part of where I am right now in terms of um, really wanting to see be part of helping to shift dynamics in the business world in terms of women in leadership roles um, and really supporting those women who have stepped up into like high level leadership roles and trying to help them be successful.
0: I'm curious because you have um, a lot of experience that I would like to tap into here, right? Um, you were in, I mean, I, I was looking over like, wow, she was part of making We're in the World of Carmen Sandiego. I remember that that game and I remember yeah. some of the other things that you did. Um, and, you know, I've been talking recently on, on both the show but just with people offline about the changes in in career trajectories for women, especially in tech or media-related businesses, from mm-hmm. say the mid '90s until now, um, if you could, could you maybe share some of the some of the different changes that you sense, or changes and opportunities that are available now that just really weren't that way in the mid '90s and and before?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think you know, I, I think that I've never. I've never really consciously thought that being a, women, a woman um, prevents me from doing anything in in professional life. I've certainly encountered um, different treatment as a woman, um, but generally, just sort of ignored it mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, didn't didn't let it stop anything. Uh, I, you know, um, I think that. Just looking at it, you know, one of the things I did over the last year was spend some time out in the world of um, uh, the startup world and the investment world and really trying to see how that landscape has shifted. And that's one that's really tangible for me because in the probably 90s was when I ventured out with a partner to found a company and we went out and tried to, and we raised some some friends and family money initially, and then we went out to raise angel investment. And, uh, I think we presented, we pitched one woman out of probably, I don't know, you know, 40 or 50 plus men. Um, and it was a product, um, and brand that was really targeting, well, it was targeting preteen and young teen girls. And so it was really hard for them to wrap their heads around it. We, and we got no traction on that. Um, but I, I do think that's shifting, um, in today's world it's still the numbers are abysmal in terms of the amount of investment that's going into companies uh, founded and led by women versus men but it is shifting um, thanks to you know women who are who are investors and have been in that VC world for a while and now starting their own firms um, and more and more women you know um, in this era who, Uh, are, feel empowered to start those businesses and find ways to make it happen, um, even if they can't get the traditional investment behind it. So, uh, and I think media and technology has played a big part in that as well with things like Kickstarter um, and the ability to raise money in kind of more scrappy ways. So that's, that's one of the biggest shifts that I've seen since, you know, the time when I went out to try to raise money and today's world.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because um, we talk a lot about the power of social media and marketing and things like that, right? And sometimes we talk about it from a business perspective, like what's available for business owners. But we have to think, you know, in a broader context, when we look at Arab Spring, when we look at the fall of different governments that's going around is, is in many ways, the communicative technologies are making things across societies more democratic, one of those things that's more democratic is access to resources, right? Because there's a traditional, like it, um, I'm going to, I'm going to screw up the the exact technicalities, but like people don't remember like in the eighties that we actually had to have regulation for fair lending laws because you couldn't go and certain people could not go to a bank in the United States and get a loan, right? They would be denied because of their race. A lot of times it would be denied because of they were women. You had to be basically a white man to walk into a bank and get a loan for a business,
1: yeah. Right. I mean, and prior to that you had to be you had to have your husband to even get a bank account.
0: Yeah, you had to have a, husband. You're a woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so now we're to the point. And I mean, so there's a little transitions. Owning computers were expensive, access to the funder and investor network networks networks still the good old boys club right. and things like that. But now with Kickstarter, Indiegogo, you know, some of the other platforms, like if you have something that you know is going to serve an audience. And you know, there's that direct connection and communication that actually is democratizing business in a lot of different ways. You know,
1: definitely. And even um, you know, just social media as a personal publishing platform and what that's done for everybody. But I think has had such a huge impact for women who have really you know started blogs or YouTube channels. Um, around a passion and just wanting to tell their stories and not really care if anyone was reading and have built, uh, in some cases, huge empires for themselves. Um, So I think that, and that's changed so many industries from, you know, publishing, uh, publishing being the big one. But um, I think that's really had a huge impact for women in business as well.
0: That's That creates an interesting shift because a lot of the things that you talk about are are pursuing a purposeful livelihood, right? And I kind of wanted to set it up in that way because the um, I'm not going to say that the landscape is wide open because we're still constrained by a lot of different things, right? Um, But it's a lot more open than it used to be, right? As far as how you can create a livelihood. Um, So I imagine that now the question is is not so much how, how do I find a purposeful livelihood or how do I, how do I make a living? How can I make a living? But which type of living do I want to create and which type of ways of creating a living fit mostly with my person, my, my purpose. And it's interesting. You mentioned um, people founding uh, media empires on their passions. And I've been really interested in the distinction between passion and purpose. Mm -hmm. right and just the sense that i think my my personal view is that placing the lens a lot on passion um is great for starting early but it's not great for middle like the middle part of the journey and the end part of the journey right whereas purpose tends to drive you throughout all the stages right um might not be fun in the beginning because you don't have the necessary, you you can be purposeful without having a passion for it. Right. Right. You can have a passion without being purposeful. Right. Um, And so I'm just wondering in that realm of passion and purpose, what have you seen and and how do we really address the difference between passion and purpose? Or does that, is that a distinction that's worthwhile for you?
1: I I think that's a really good um, way to frame it because it, it is, you know, and and this is something I I've encountered with these young young girls that I've supported through uh, you know my little online community for many years. Um, that you know they're taking your passion and and making it tangible and making it into a livelihood uh, is purpose driven. Um, and so I think that's a really good point that you don't. It's really hard to accomplish anything on pure passion. Because a lot of times what, you know, what I see people go through is they're passionate about something, but they also limit themselves in in the sense of, well, I can't, you know, I can't translate this to a livelihood. It's just never going to work. You know, I'm just going to do my nine to five and then I'm going to do my passion things on the side. And, um, and they compartmentalize very well, I am terrible at compartmentalizing. And, um, and so that just doesn't work for me. So it, the the passion and the purpose have to really go hand in hand for me. But I think that's a really good insight that you have.
0: Um, I, I wish I came up with it by myself. I think someone else taught it to me. Um, I just don't remember who right now. But I was talking actually to um, Valerie growth earlier, we were just having a catch up call. She's a um, prior guest to the show. And she, um, she's founded the Ryan Banks Academy, which is, I think, the first um, boarding school for, um, for um, low-income minority kids in Chicago, right? It's a really, really big project. And wow, amazing. Amazing project. I'm so proud of the work that she's doing. Um, but one of the things that she mentioned is that it continually surprises her how many people show up to support that particular thing. Um, and I'm a board member of the wayfinding Academy here in Portland. Right. And that's the other thing that we're seeing, you know, at the wayfinding Academy is that we're with these things that really matter and that are changing things and are serving an unmet need, people just show up and want to be a part of that. Now, if it were just a passion, like, you know, I, I don't have this passion, but if it were just like, I'm really passionate about craft beer, well, it's hard to get the, the enlistment of the world for that. Cause it's really about you and craft beer. right? Right. Now, if there are enough people who share that passion, that's another thing. But I think that's the other thing to think about is, you know, when I was tracking your career and looking at it, right, um, you're passionate about those topics. But again, a lot of them focused on um, the, well, this might be my projecting into it, but that relationship between media and women and really um, providing new possibilities and alternatives (laughs) for them, which, again, just enlist a lot of people to help you with that, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, to your point about purpose and passion, I think that um, like if I were to frame it up in my own terms, I'd say, well, I'm, I'm passionate about a lot of things, but I'm passionate about creativity. I'm passionate about um, media as a means for people to have a voice and tell their stories. I'm passionate about storytelling, but the the purpose behind it for me is applying those skills To something that is meaningful and is having a positive impact on the world. Uh, So, I think that's where, you know, if you can find that intersection between your passionate and your purpose, then you're more likely to be able to create a livelihood to attract the people and the support you need to make something happen and all of those pieces. Yeah, definitely.
0: Part of finding, I think that purposeful livelihood is, um, knowing when you're not on that, on that track. Right. Yes. Um, and that's yes. hard because, you know, um, I think to a certain degree, most of us have a comfort bias, right. Um, in the sense of like, once, once things get comfortable for us, like, that's why we call it, we have that word comfortable. We like to stay where things, mm-hmm. comfortable. but, um, you know, when you looked at the different ways throughout your career that you've, that you've made jumps, like how, how did you get to that point where you're like, you knew that it was fear that was keeping you into a comfort zone and that it was time to do something different?
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I guess it, for me, uh, it's, it's always pretty crystal clear. Um, and, it's generally not completely fear that holds me back. It's more um, a process of uh, going through, I guess some, some, some pain, internal pain, and recognizing that you know something something's not right. I either' um, this is too uncomfortable and it shouldn't be that uncomfortable, or I feel like I'm swimming upstream and I'm really not getting to any meaningful destination. And, and being able to step back from that, you know, the, it's sort of the proverbial frog in the pot of boiling water and knowing when it's time to jump out. But sometimes you sit in the boiling water for a while until you realize, like, ah, I better get out of here or I'm, I'm a goner. And so it's always been that more of a gut level thing for me. Um and the where the fear comes into play i guess is more around like my family and the people who rely on me uh and and how they're going to you know how how they're going to feel about taking that leap with me because ultimately we never take those leaps alone um so you know and and so it's it's as much about managing their fears as as my own because you know there's a little bit of my own but it's more so um not so afraid to take the leap. It's just the, the process, a process getting up to it.
0: Yeah. It's fascinating that you mentioned the, the, the frog in the boiling pot, because even before, as you, before you mentioned that, I was like, it's like the frog in the boiling pot scenario. Right. Yeah. And it's always the question, right. Where is this sort of weird spiritual tension that you move when it's time to move? Right. Yeah. So that at a certain level that's true, but at a certain level you sit in the pot for way too long. Right. Some some people not yet. some people it's like yeah. it's getting hot. It's getting hot. It's getting hot. It's getting hot. Okay, I got to go now. Right. And so my my sort of curious approach to this, you know, recently has been like, granted that tension between um, knowing you're in the pot and getting out soon and that you move yeah. when it's time. But how do we? Um, Notice that difference between this is just one of those local discomforts. Like you know, I'm sitting in traffic today. Um, it's it, there's a traffic jam. It, this is terrible. I hate it. So on and so forth. Versus, I really hate commuting. I really, really hate commuting. And. <laughs> Like this is something in my life I have to change. There's a big difference between those two states, right? And how do you notice the difference between like ah, I hate sitting in traffic too. Like this is this is a part of my work that I need to to change.
1: Yeah, well that that could not be a more spot on analogy for me right now. And and uh, in the sense that I have a really awful commute <laughs> right now, but but it's it's okay because. I am where I'm going serves my purpose you know Um, and I think that's the difference for me when I can you know recognize that that pain is there but I still feel like I'm part of the purpose um, then I'll power through it Um, but you know it, it does become pretty clear when the pain is part of I kind of have lost the purpose here you know and because my throughout my career i've i've really gravitated towards startups and small companies who most of whom have been very successful and there's a certain inflection point in a pump company's growth where there can be a really obvious shift whether it's a culture shift or a business shift where it, things have shifted for me, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm part of a big corporate machine now and I'm putting a lot of energy into things that I, I'm, you know, really don't serve my purpose to, you know, it just, um, the work that we're doing is not, not what it could be. And I want to find something that is more progressive. So, um, I think that that, that's, you know, that, that's the, how I relate to it, it comes back to that that purpose piece of it, and being able to recognize if if it's there as part of your discomfort and that will help drive you through it if it's not, it's kind of uh, a waste of energy
0: <laughs> yeah well I, I I think there's I would want to add to the matrix, so we have passion we have purpose, but I also would want to add your genius to it. Right. In the sense of, you know, as you were explaining that I'm in some ways, I'm similar because I, I love being a part of the barn raising process. I'm not so much in love with being a part of the barn managing process. Right. Um, like a lot of the problems I'm most, um, suited to serve happen in that inchoate, like, how the hell do we get this thing up and keep it up? Right. Type of thing. Not so right. much of like, how do we just keep it pretty? Right. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the inflection points because whether we're talking about a startup that then gets bought by, you know, a bigger corporation, that's a major cultural shift that's going to happen. They always say right. like, nothing's going to change it's going to change, right? It is. It is definitely. Only a matter of time. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. And it's how painful that change is going to be. It's always a change, right? And um, so you mentioned some of the things that, like what are, when you're looking at when that inflection point happened or when that change in the work happens, just for you, what are those things where you start saying, you know what? That's um, either not tapping into my genius that's not tapping into my purpose and that's not tapping into my passion so when you're in your work what are those things that you that are just like out of those three boxes for you
1: um hmm. well i don't know that i can i can't think of anything sort of generalization around that um Specific examples are around, um, you know, some of the work that I had done in the past uh, was um, supporting and elevating women of uh, sort of diverse ages and backgrounds and all of that. Um, and that was an important part of sort of the the marketing strategy that we employed at the time. And, and it shifted. Um, and it shifted in a way that made sense for the business. But to you know to becoming a much narrower target and that's where for me the purpose started to get lost because i feel i felt like the the world is moving in kind of a different direction where women in especially like fashion and retail women want to see more of themselves they want to see more diversity they don't want to see the the same formula of you know whether it's the models walking down the runways in fashion shows or in catalogs and things like that. Um, and they're they're very vocal about it. Um, and that's helping to shift things. Um, and I always want to be on that shift. And so if I, if I'm at a place where they're not shifting at the pace that the world is, I, I kind of wanna move up, move ahead, <laughs> you know. And so that's that's one example um where it, it's pretty clear
0: to me. Yeah. So if you're not on the like pioneering edge, you're probably you shouldn't be there. Right. And, and
1: yeah, just for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm sort of the futurist mindset and, and I want to be where, you know, from a social progress perspective, um, where things are going and where I frankly think they should be going. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, that's, uh that's been a big sort of inflection point for me.
0: So you left your dream job at, or not to dream job, but just a great gig at Athleta to start mm-hmm. your own independent consultancy. Right. Um, and then before we got on the call, or before we got on the, on the recording here, you mentioned that you have, you have since not necessarily got out of the consultancy, but now you're back into a full-time position. Mm-hmm. With Talk to us a little bit about that journey and how, how you did that. Because again, it's a big jump to go from Athleta to solo to a full-time gig. And I imagine that had a lot of um, curious wonderings for you.
1: Yes, it did. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, at the point where I I knew it was really time to move on, um, I, I, I'm not the kind of person to like stay in a place where I'm not happy just to land another job because I feel like then I will end up compromising. Um, and so I've, you know, I've done some consulting stints in the past. So taking the leap and not, um, having anything lined up, uh, was, was not a problem for me. And I also knew that I have a skill set that's very, um, in demand right now in terms of, you know, the kind of marketing from the perspective of content storytelling and social media versus, you know, some of the more traditional areas of marketing. And so um, so I set out really to try to build on that with consulting and uh, in part because I really wanted to reconnect to the landscape in the Bay Area. There's just so much amazing innovation um, and uh, my thought was that I would I would uh, try to um, ultimately create an agency so that I could have a team and have more of a you know teamwork environment, um, but also be able to work on a lot of different projects. But I also knew I wanted to be involved with something more progressive, and so one of the first things that I did was. Um, put myself out there and do some networking into areas where I wasn't already connected, um, specifically, you know, starting in the venture world um, and looking at kind of what was going on in that landscape. Um, And that really helped me kind of hone in on my mission, which was really, it was really centered on, you know, working with businesses and brands that have a heart for social good and are in a progressive space, um, in terms of, you know, what's happening in the world and what's happening in business. And, um, so I really set out to try to connect with those kinds of companies specifically and, um, and ultimately kind of filtered out what I ended up taking on or not taking on as part of that. Um, and that was a great experience. What I, what I learned, um, into that, ex- about a year into that experience is the things that I really don't like about that. Um, one is the constant hustle. <laughs> um, the other is uh, I'm much better at selling other people than I am at selling myself. Um, and, you know, frankly, I feel like I, I could get great at that if I wanted to, but I kind of don't want to. I kind of would rather tell other people's stories and sell other people. Um, so. Um, kind of reaching that point was a little bit of that painful thing again, you know, but it came back to, you know, I can still serve my purpose um, and also eliminate those things that I'm not passionate about if I really try to find the right organization, the right team to be a part of um, on a, you know, sort of dedicated Basis. I also learned through some of the projects that when I was really immersed in a project, a, a more robust project where I was utilizing all of my skills, um, that that that's what I love. You know, so I just love getting really deeply immersed in whatever I'm doing, and it's harder to do that when you're juggling a bunch of different clients and. Um, And, uh, also dealing with all of the sort of just administrative stuff that goes along with being a consultant. So, um, so once I kind of made that mental transition, um, of, you know, okay, I'm, I'm not doing what I kind of set out to do, but that's okay. You know, that's not a failure. That's, um, part of the process of kind of getting clarity of what I want to do. Uh, and so ultimately once I've made that mental shift, um, and started putting myself out there and looking what's out there, I did ultimately land on something that really checked all my boxes, other than the commute.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I I imagine, so You, you put on one hand the commute, and you put on the other hand, the hustle and the sale and the, you know, yeah. that type of whatnot. And it's like, we often forget that, you know, though the grass may be greener somewhere else, like we still have to mow it, right? There's still going to exactly. be, swimming, right. And so yeah. you, you can look at it eyes wide open and say, would I rather spend, I don't know, two and a half hours in a commute, right? Listening to mm-hmm. podcast and music and talking to friends, or would I rather spend, you know, that same amount of time, like, Sending emails and you know doing sales calls and and things like right. that, right? Right. Um, not that one's inherently better than the others. Which one of those do you want to choose to do?
1: Yeah, there's there's always those trade offs in life. Whether you're working independently an entrepreneur, um, there's always going to be things that aren't aren't perfect, and it's just like finding the balance and and finding a way to make the most of and optimize those things. So. Nope. I listen to a lot of podcasts and <laughs> call friends and those things that you just said. So,
0: yeah, audio books. Um, there, yeah. there are times honestly where I'm like, you know, if I if I had one of those jobs where like it was two hours of going back and forth, I would get a lot of audio booking done, right? Oh yeah. Um, would, you know, um, so. But let's tie this back into passion and purpose and things like that. So what I'm hearing is it's not that the move from Athleta to your agency, like it's not that it was a purpose creep. It was more that once you got in there, you realized that there was a better way to go about fulfilling your purpose. Is that what it was?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a a way that, that worked better in my life. um, And with my, you know, sort of resources and, um, and, and, and aligned with longer term goals as well. So, um, and I was, you know, I was fortunate to be in a position where I had, you know, I had enough of a client base um, and enough kind of, of a nest egg in reserve to be able to really invest in myself. And that's one of the other things that I established uh, early on in that is kind of an approach, a shift in my mindset, I think having done consulting in the past and learned some of the hard lessons about like, you know, uh, it's okay to file fire your clients and things like that. uh, I really established a shift in my mindset in um, knowing that, you know, I was going to be, I was going to be investing in myself. You know, I was going to be using a nest egg to invest in myself, um, that it would take me a while to build back up the income that I walked away from. And, um, so I really approached everything with an investor mindset, even if somebody was hiring me to do email marketing for them, you know, I, I really looked at it as how is this aligning with my, my passion and purpose? And, um, is this a good investment for me? And I established a couple of different models actually around that in terms of, um, you know, I had like a straight consulting price for, um, for 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 certain types of businesses, but for you know smaller, more entrepreneurial types of business, I I had different rates, but I looked at it as an investment. You know, if I'm not um, commanding what I think I deserve in the market, you know, in terms of price, then then I'm investing something into this company, and and I want to know that I'm going to have a return, whether it's you know, that there will be more work down the line, or I have a piece of equity in the company or those kinds of things. And that really helped me a lot to filter out what's important. And even when I shifted to um, looking for, you know, a company that I really wanted to be a part of on a longer term basis, I still approached it with that mindset. Um, And it, it helped me a lot to really filter out things.
0: Yeah, one of the things I was looking at, um, you know, as I was preparing for the show is, um, the tension that some people have in a shift in their career, um, in the middle stages of their life, where it's like, well, how do I, how do I stay relevant? Like, am I still relevant? Am I still on point? But I don't want to do like all the stuff over. I don't want to start from beginning or I don't want to be other than who I am, but is who I am relevant and so on and so forth. So, have you had any particular struggles with that or do you have any ideas for how, how one might think their way through that?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, it tends to come kind of naturally to me because I do like to be on the forefront and um, of of things. So that's helped me to stay relevant. Whereas, you know, I have plenty of friends my age who have never really evolved their skills. um, And and part of it is that they're just they've lost the passion for that particular thing, but they haven't found the other thing. So I think my advice to people that might be a little less clear on that um, would be to really go back to you know if you're if you're not if you're not evolving and continuing to learn and grow because you're not uh, motivated to do that, then, maybe you've lost the spark in that thing and need to start to explore whether, you know, either in your own mind or working with a coach or somebody who can give you a perspective, what is that thing that I'm really passionate about that will keep me relevant in the world um, and help help me have a livelihood? And that's, you know, the older you get, the scarier that gets, of course, because, um, you know, the reality is ageism does exist. And, um, for you, you know, to pivot at the age of 50 plus and, um, present yourself to a company who's looking at your resume and like, well, you've only been doing this for a couple of years. Um, so there you're being compared to somebody who's fresh out of college. It's, you know, it's, it's scary, but, um, but it can be done.
0: It can be done. And, um, there's a movie that came out recently that I actually really loved. It was called the intern and it had, um,
1: yeah, uh, I, I haven't seen it. But
0: it's, it it's actually a good one. It's actually a good I, I mean, I one, the, one. One of yeah. one of the points of it is that there there is something that, though it's intangible in a lot of ways, there's something really really valuable about experience, right? That that transcends technical proficiency, that transcends being hip and in the know, right? Is that experience and that composure that makes so much difference? And I think there are two major trends going on that that when people I mean, I'm 36, right? So people are like, "You just don't understand. You're too young." Like, you like when you get a little bit older, you'll you'll sense attention. And I I understand that. I've got you know some years to go here, um, but there are two things going on. One is that the amount of time that we'll be in the workforce is much longer than what um, people in a generation or two older than I were were raised to believe. I mean, we're effectively going to be productive members of society um, until 75, even 80, you know, so on and so forth with the new technologies and things like that, right? So, Mm -hmm. that's one piece. So, if you're in your mid-50s, you still got at least another 20, 25 years of good career, good work ahead of you if that's the way that you want to go. Now, granted, At a, from a social commentary point of view, like the whole idea of retirement, I think is setting so many people back because they're like, I'm 65, I should be retiring without realizing that retirement in the way that we understand it is a relatively modern fiction. Right. Right. Um, So there's, there's that piece going on. At the same time, um, we live in what I call project world, right? Where we do things for three to five years and then we move on to the next thing. Like career world is is really gone, right? I'm in a sense where it's like, I'm going to be working here 25 years. No one believes that anymore, right? Because it doesn't happen, right? And so the beauty of that is you have to stay fresh and you get to stay fresh, right? Um, And so I think when when we tease out some of those tensions, it's like, what if you let go of this idea that 65, you're done, right? What if you let go of this idea that like you work at one company and that's just the way that you do it? And that we're all going to be learning and and doing things like that. And that's just the way the world is. Like, there's a lot of, I think, freedom that comes with that, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a lot of inspiration out there, too. I mean, and that's one of the things that I did was, uh, you know, I found women on Instagram who were, you know had gathered a following who were doing like, you know, fashion, fashion, um, older women, you know, and I, one of the first things I did when actually my last day at Athleta that night, I hopped on a plane and flew to New York and spent the day with the woman that I had, I had known through my relationships there, but I had never met in person. She's 97 years old and the world's oldest yoga teacher and a competitive ballroom dancer. And I spent the day with her and, and I cannot tell you how much inspiration she infused me with and how much that um, powered me through things mm-hmm. uh, and realizing that, you know, and I have fr- friends in their seventies who are productive as an event last night. And there was this probably 80 something year old man coming around, networking, handing his business cards to everybody. I, I mean, it's just, people are vibrant at any age and, um, and there's tons of inspiration out there. Uh, So if anyone is feeling like, I just, I don't have the skills anymore, I don't know what I can do, I'll never get, you know, it's just knock those thoughts out of your head, look for those people who are doing it, and um, go forward, you know.
0: Yeah, I think we can look at Look at it from a world of I can't or I'm done or it's just whatever, or you can look at it from the world of who's doing it, like exactly what you mentioned, who's doing it and how. And what I've again, I know I know where I fit in the age spectrum here, right? But what I've noticed is that people are really open to sharing their challenges with other people who are trying to do things similar. I mean, people who have gone through a late stage career shift, right? Yeah. We're actually, fairly open to talking to other people who are, who, who are in that because they've been there. Right. And so I think it's just having that courage and vulnerability. Well, having an abundant mindset about that you can make the change and then having yeah. the courage and vulnerabilities to like put yourself out there and say, Hey, I, I actually don't know what I need to do next, or I'm afraid of taking that next step, or I'm not sure. And, and just sharing that, world opens up in front of you.
1: Yeah, and having that mindset too of, um, I guess it's a little bit of humility, but, and also a, a you know, a lifelong learner mindset um, of, you know, as you age in the workplace, you're going to be working with people who are younger than you. You're going to have managers that are younger than you potentially. And recognizing that there's, there, you know, I mean, I don't know too many people who have that mindset of like, I'm older, therefore I'm smarter and more knowledgeable. Um, But, but sometimes that does exist. Um, And, and really embracing that. So like, for me, uh, I was very fortunate, my first two clients, um, after I left Atlanta, were 20 something entrepreneurs. And, um, and, they were amazing and incredibly inspiring to work with. And um, I don't think, you know, it takes a certain type of 20 something entrepreneur to hire somebody um, who is, you know, a generation or, well, I'll just say a generation older than them. Um, But that was just such an incredible synergy. And um, I I think that has so much value in the workplace and I don't, I don't underestimate anyone just because they're only a decade into their career or two decades into their career uh, because there's so much um, insight and perspective and freshness that people bring that we can all learn from. And that can help you stay relevant, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a powerful mindset shift when you think like everyone you meet has some has something to teach you and your job yeah. is just to figure out what it is. Yep. Right. And so um, there are 20 somethings, early 20 somethings. I'm like, they know more about Instagram and Snapchat and the way mm-hmm. people are actually using things. Right. They know more about a lot of that stuff than I do. And I'm, yeah. you know, I'm still 36. Right. I still I'm not, you know, um, I'm not out of touch with things. But, you know, then I look at people who are a generation older and like, what have they learned about the world of work? What have they learned about what experience do they have that I can learn from? right people my own age is is how are they working this multi-generational thing how are how are they using the same tools that we grew up together how are they using the tools different and better than i am right Right. how are they using the opportunities better and like when you go around and everyone has something to teach you it's just an amazing way at least for me to to live and, and sort of be in the world
1: yeah 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 and also i think you know um the generations that grew up with technology in their hands um and even those that don't but we are just in a in a very different world now in terms of having a more global global perspective on things and just it's really shifted the dynamics of everything and um i think that every the more diversity that you can bring into an environment the more um potential there is for something exceptional to happen.
0: Absolutely. So you've done a lot of really great things in your career and you've learned a lot of lessons. So with where you are right now, what's the most unanticipated challenge that you're currently facing?
1: Uh, Well, I think um, unanticipated. Um, Hmm. Nothing big is coming to mind. I think, you know, one of the challenges is that um, the work I'm doing is uh, you know, kind of building from something from the ground up again, and I've done that. And I think what I'm finding is the, the thing that is, um, I'm having to learn, navigate, uh, not so much learn, but navigate is my own expectations in terms of like seeing the end goal, and, and not being able to just leap there, that, that, that um, it's going to be a process. (laughs) And um, so I think that, that is a challenge in terms of, um, you know, really stepping back and, and breaking things down into chunks. And I know you have great resources and tools to help people with that. And I was looking at some of them today to to help me through that part of it. But it's not, you know, it's not it's not bad. It's just that I I I want to get things done and um but recognizing that, you know, things happen one step at a time.
0: Yeah, it's really frustrating when like our experience has us think that like we can do it faster again this time when our experience should tell us that it takes like it takes time. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and also, you know, r- right now I'm, I'm, I'm a one-person operation doing the stuff that I used to do with a team of, you know, five or six people. So there's that piece of it too. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm good with that part as well.
0: Good. If people remember nothing else about you or your body of work from this episode, what would you want it to be?
1: Um. You know, just not so much about me, but if there's anything about my journey of, uh, you know, staying very purpose focused uh, and not being able to not being afraid to take some leaps, um, then that that would I, I guess that's the thing I would want people to to take away that it's it's anything is possible. And um, all of those barriers that we put in front of ourselves, that other people put in front of us, um, are ultimately things that we can get over, around, or through if we really set our mind to it. And um, I continue to surprise myself with my ability to do that and uh, hope to continue doing
0: it for a long time. Michelle, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you so much. It was really great talking with you. Likewise.
0: Okay, Creative Giants, so you heard it from Michelle. Let's focus on those obstacles that you know you've placed in front of yourself or you think they might be fabricated obstacles. What are you going to do today to go over, under, around, or through that particular obstacle? Believe that you can and figure out how. Until next time, stand tall.
1: Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for Creative Giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, Creative Giant.